0: grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We're beginning our new sermon series. Uh, We're we're taking a walk through a book called Search for Significance, written by Robert McGee. And I was given this book uh, by Marilyn, and she said, this would make a great sermon series. And we had just started Luke two and a half years ago. I said, oh, we'll see about that. And so I, I, I checked into it and read it and went, she's right. great sermon series. It's just got to wait two years. Uh, But we're here finally. And so I want to walk through this book together, explore it together, and see what God has for us in it. Um, How many of you, well, you've all been in this situation, right? You go to like a party, or maybe you're on an airplane flight, and you're, you're talking to someone you've just met. And this question always comes up, right? So, what do you do? Right? You always get that question. And you know as soon as you answer that question, this person will be forming an opinion of you. They will make an opinion regarding your intelligence, your income, your influence. You will be judged. And make no mistake about it, you'll ask them the same question and you'll judge them. I love a book, uh, by. there's a writing by Robert Fulghum. And he writes about a time he was on an airplane, and the guy sitting next to him says, so what do you do? And Robert Fulgham says, you know what, how about this? Instead of us, you know, making evaluations of each other, how about we just give pretend answers and keep that up for the rest of the flight? The guy goes, okay. So Robert says he's a spy, and this other guy says he's a nun. <laughs> and they kept up the conversation for the entire flight. What do you do? See, all of us, at one time or another, and many of us still today, have believed that success will bring happiness and fulfillment. And consciously or unconsciously, we've all experienced this feeling of having to meet certain arbitrary standards to attain self-worth. We're all there. We've all been there. A lot of us are still there. And so when I want to ask these questions to see just for yourself, how strongly you cling to that lie. Because of fear, I often avoid participating in certain activities. Some of you are like, oh yeah, that's me a lot. That describes me. Now some of you are like, no, no, I'll do different things. I'll try new stuff. When I sense that I might experience failure in some important area, I become nervous and anxious. Not just butterflies, but really anxious. I worry. Not every now and then, but regular. You worry on a regular basis. You may even describe yourself as a worrier. I have unexplained anxiety. You're anxious, and sometimes you don't even know why. You're just anxious. You don't feel at rest. I am a perfectionist, it has to be just right. You organize the silverware in your dishwasher. You make sure the towels are right in your bathroom. You have your desk organized just so because it's a reflection of you and it's important. I'm compelled to justify my mistakes. There are certain areas in my life in which I feel I have to succeed. And when you don't succeed, you get depressed. Not sad or discouraged, but depressed. Become angry with people who interfere with my attempts to succeed, and as a result, make me appear incompetent. So if someone messes up, they they don't get corrected they get your wrath I am self-critical so if you look at those statements and go wow that's that's really me then you fall into a trap and the trap is that believing that your performance is your identity that your performance uh, is the, the true indicator of your self-worth as a human being if you're in the performance trap and because of our differences in personality we may have that same issue in our life but react to it much, much differently see there's some people who are in that performance trap they believe that performance lie, and as a result they become perfectionists and they look like they're really highly motivated but it's a motivation that comes from fear that if I don't succeed if I don't perform up to a certain standard that I have in my head then I am a failure or even a loser not worth much and the perfectionists often make that same demand on those around them because they reflect themselves other people go the exact opposite way and they just avoid risk altogether if I can't be good at something, if I can't succeed at something I'm just not going to even try because I don't want to fail because if I fail, if I mess up than I'm less of a person. There are some people who are very angry and resentful. They see their lives as not being successes. And they're quick to point finger at who messed up and who's to blame. Sometimes you may find yourself blaming God. I blame God because my life is like this God's fault you're in that performance trap that my identity, my self-worth revolves around my performance, my successes some people become very prideful not just prideful in a, in a positive way, I'm, just, I'm happy and I'm, I like what I've done and that's a good thing but they base their identity on what they've accomplished and look down on other people who haven't accomplished much well, that's just as big a trap because you're only as good as your latest success. I remember reading an interview with John Madden when he was coach of the Oakland Raiders. Go, Boo. okay? And they, they won the Super Bowl and he was so happy for a week. And then he re- was reminded that he had to do the whole thing all over again. And the success of the coach was based on his latest victory got really depressed. One of the reasons why he quit coaching. Are you in that trap? Had you believed that lie? Are you still believing that lie? God has an answer for you. I want to phrase it this way. Who do you talk to the most? do you talk to your the most? And the answer is yourself. Talk to yourself the most. Everyone has like this inner dialogue going, right? Talk to yourself the most. And, and what do you talk to yourself the most about? What do you talk to you most about yourself to yourself, right? You, there's always this inner dialogue going. I need to do this. I should do this. I'm thinking about this. I'm worrying about this. I did well here. I, I failed here, right? And for most of us, our self worth equals performance plus other people's opinions. How you view yourself is, a, is a, an equation of how you think other people view you and your latest successes or failures. And that's how you gauge your self worth. God has a different answer. We read it in 2 Corinthians 5. Carry read it for us today. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We don't look at other people and say, I judge this person by their latest success, by what they've accomplished, or haven't accomplished. I don't judge them that way anymore. Though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. Here's the key. God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him you might become the righteousness of God. God declares you righteous. God declares you his child. In holy baptism, he adopts us into his family and says, You are mine. And your identity now is child of God. That's who you are. Jesus Christ declares it. The declaration of God are reality. That's what our gospel reading was all about. Jesus is uh, teaching in somebody's house right? And uh, people are so excited to get to see him that the room is packed and uh, there's no way in or out and these guys, they have this friend who's paralyzed completely paralyzed and they have this great plan we're going to get our friend in front of Jesus and to do it, we're going to rip off the roof of this house those are dedicated friends so in those days, roofs were often flat roofs and there was often a stairwell up to the roof, so you could you would go up on the top of your roof, and you might like hang your laundry up there, maybe cooking or or whatever you want to do up there, right? And so they climb up the stairs with their buddy on a on a mat, on a cot, get to the top of the roof, and it's a clay thatch roof. They so got clay with uh, palm branches on below, maybe some wooden beams. They start digging it out. The guy who owns the house is really mad by this point. <laughs> But they don't care. They lower their friend down. He's paralyzed. And Jesus says to this man, Your sins are forgiven. Which I'm guessing is not what he wanted to hear. Jesus knows that the people are upset. Because only God can. Jesus answered them by saying, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk. But so that you know that the Son of Man has authority, He said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, go home. He does. See, when God declares you righteous, you are. When you receive the promise of God's love and grace in your life, are a child of God from then on out you have a new equation a new mathematical formula to define your life and the formula is not self worth equals performance plus other people's opinions but now the formula is self worth equals creation plus justification that's the new formula think back on something you've made Maybe a piece of artwork or art quilt or maybe a home improvement project, something you made that you're really proud of. Here's a better example. Think about a kid you helped make, right? You helped make a kid. Think about that. Think about something you made that you're really proud of. And what do you do? Show it off your creation. You made it. It's yours. And you love it. It may not be the best thing around, but it's yours. And it's good. When God creates this world, when he creates humankind, God God declares his creation very good. Not just good. Very good. And then God Bought you back. Fell away. We walked away from God. And God says, I love my creation so much. I love you so much that I will send my one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God died for you. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, suffered suffered excruciating pain and died upon a cross for you. You've been blood-bought. And you are very valuable indeed. Jesus Christ died and rose for you. He takes away our sins, our failures, our shortcomings. He pays for them on a cross says, you are my child. And I love you. Robert McGee in his book Search for Significance writes this. Failure need not be a millstone around our necks. Neither success nor failure is the proper basis of our self-worth. Christ alone is the source of our forgiveness, our freedom, our joy, our purpose, your life. Some of you here believe life. And you believe that your value, your intrinsic worth in this world, is based on what you've accomplished. My friend, it's a lie. It's a lie. Your value is based on the one who created you and the one who you. Re- because of that you have value for now, always. Amen? You believe it? You believe it. A lot of you're like me. You know what pastors do after church every Sunday? count the attendance. I always measure. I always measure. You know, pastors ask each other first thing. Go. Oh, how big is your church? I tell them 500. Shh, let them guess. Whatever. We're all stuck in this trap. Don't be stuck in longer you are created you are redeemed God loves you let's pray Lord Jesus Lord thank you that we are created yours we're no accident we're no random chance we are created designed we are yours and you have bought us back Lord God you've bought us back by your very own blood and called us your own. And your declarations are true, right. May we base our identity, not what we've done or haven't done, but simply on your love for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord, for life everlasting. Amen.